people are panicking. They're running to the stores. Um, and uh, I was running to the store, too. I was there, saw some of you uh, at, at, like, 6 a.m. at the Kroger. And, um, and that was uh, an exciting time. Uh, you know, people are uh, running out to get toilet paper and, and hand sanitizer and all that sort of stuff. And so the question is, what should we do as Christians, as the church? What should we do? Should we, uh, and this is kind of two camps I've seen people go into. One camp is ignore it. It's not a big deal. The flu is worse. There are all these other things. Just don't worry about it. Move on. Life is general. Uh, move on and uh, don't worry about it. Or the other um, way I've seen people is to panic, right? Um, you know, one is underreacting, the other one is overreacting, and, and it's panic. It's going to the store, uh, buying up all the, the toilet paper. It's the end of the world, and people are freaking out. And so um, those are the two options I've seen. But I wonder if there's a third option that I really believe that God has called us to be. And, and that's really the title of, of the message for this morning. It is not afraid. And I, I don't, listen, I don't claim to be an expert. I'm not a biologist. I'm not an epidemiologist. Uh, so I'm not going to have a whole lot to say about the coronavirus. I'm not going to have a whole lot to say about the stock market uh, or our, our government or anything like that. But my job as a pastor is to speak from uh, the scriptures about what does God have to say? Uh, what is the faith perspective? What is his word uh, that is going to anchor us in these times? And so um, uh, let's dive in, because as we think about the travel bans, as we think about the schools closing, parents, you know, trying to figure out, um, you know, what are we going to do with our kids for two weeks? Um, I just want us to focus on these words, not afraid, not afraid, because as followers of Jesus, we're called to live differently from the world, uh, not overreacting, uh, not underreacting, uh, but we're called to, to be different. In fact, the, the Bible says um, that we are not of this world. And so we're going to focus on this word, not a lot today. You're going to see that theme. We're not going to be afraid. Uh, we're not of this world. Uh, in fact, the Bible says we are we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're not to be conformed to the pattern of this world. And so we're going to focus on that word, not, and not be afraid. And so I want to share with you quickly, this might be the quickest sermon I ever do. Uh, some of y'all will be praying for the coronavirus and for church to be uh, online and at home uh, for the weeks to come. Um, and so we'll, we'll navigate that. But three things I want to give you today. Uh, the screen is here to help us because you know I like using the screen. Uh, the first one, if the screen were proper, I may have to use my mouse difficulty. Here we go. We're going this way. We live by faith, not by fear. And um, and as we navigate this, this was really the title of the article that I sent out uh, the, the very first week uh, that the coronavirus was starting to hit near our state and all that stuff. We live by faith, not by fear. We live by faith, not by fear. That's what we're called to do as believers. Um, and it's this reminder that, that, that fear doesn't dominate our lives, but we walk um, knowing that God is going to provide for us. And, uh, and that's a huge thing. And so I want to share with you a couple of scriptures here. As um, the disciples were struggling with some things, Jesus spoke to them in John 14, and, uh, and he went on to to. To ask them, oh, let's see, here we go. Now we're ready. Jesus said this. He says, do not, there's the word not there. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Why? Because you believe in God. Believe also in me. In other words, believe what I'm saying. Trust me and walk by faith. And so do not let your hearts be troubled. That's the response as believers. Later on in that same chapter, uh, John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says this. He says, my peace I leave with you. 
My peace I give you. I do not, there's the emphasis on the word there, not, I do not give it to you as the world gives it. Then he says it again, and I say this often in church. I love how Jesus repeats things for people like me. Sometimes I'm a little slow on the uptake, but he says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Man, I'm so encouraged by that verse there. I'm so encouraged by what Jesus is saying, that he gives us peace in this crazy time, that he's faithful, uh, that, that he knows what's going on. And, and really, this is, this is a gift that God gives us, this gift of peace. He says, my peace I give you, and I, and I don't give it to you as the world gives it. So as Christians, we have a different peace than the rest of the world has, and that should be evident in our conversation. That should be evident in how we live and how we act. And so we have this peace. And so um, I love how there's a different translation of the Bible, the New Living Translation. Uh, it says the same verse. I want to share it with you. It says this. It says, I am leaving you with a gift. I'm leaving you with a gift. What is that gift? Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift to the world. Uh, it's a gift that the world cannot give. And so don't be troubled or afraid. How many of us, how do we act when we get a gift, right? I don't know about you, but man, I, I get excited. I get pumped. I tear open the press. I may even scream like, oh my gosh, I got this. And uh, every time an Amazon package comes to my house, people are running to the door. We're fighting over who can open it. We want to see what it is. And here is God saying, I am giving you this gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of faith and peace in me. And so as believers, we should be excited about that. We should be reminded that as the Holy Spirit dwells in every single believer, we, we've got this amazing gift. You know, God is not up in heaven uh, doing what I heard one preacher say is the, the one-handed clap. Do y'all know what the one-handed clap is? It's like this. Oh, what happened? I'll do it again. And uh, if y'all want to screenshot it and slow-mo it, y'all can do all that. But it's a, ah, what happened? God is not up in heaven, like, unaware. Uh, he's not up in heaven, like, panicked and taken back. He was he was not surprised or afraid, like, oh, man, I was so concerned with the with the U.S. election that I didn't know how did the coronavirus slip in. Uh, I, I wasn't paying attention. God is on the throne in control of all these things. And so... We don't have to panic because God is not panicked. The Bible says God is sovereignly controlling every molecule, every sparrow that falls, and even the hairs on our heads. And so we are to be people who are not afraid, living by faith, not by fear. Because God has a plan through all this. He's going to work that plan out for his glory and for our good. Uh, we don't know what that plan is. We don't know how all that works. But these are the truths that we find in the scriptures. And so he's going to navigate that. And uh, one other verse I want to share with you guys, and I've seen, I've been so encouraged to see some of you post on this verse a ton, and that has brought uh, joy and encouragement to my heart. But it comes from 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And so what an encouragement that we are people who are not panicking because we've got peace. Uh, we, we are not fearful because we have faith. And so I heard this story um, about uh, a house fire. And uh, there was a little boy who was still in the house. And, um, and he ended up crawling through the window and was on the roof. And uh, his dad was, uh, before the, the, the fireman had gotten there, uh, his dad was down below. And he said, son, I'm out here. Jump to me because this thing is going down. The flames were kind of reaching out even onto the roof and um, and he said, you know, jump down to me. And the son said, Dad, I'm scared. I can't see you. And uh, the reason why the son couldn't see him 
was because there was smoke everywhere and, and he just couldn't see where his dad was at. And, uh, and the dad just responded and he said, son, you don't have to see me. I can see you. I know exactly where you're at. Now just jump to me. And, um, and in the Christian life, right, the Christian life enables us to meet difficulties like uh, disease. It enables us to, to meet difficulties even in the face of death. Not because we can see what's on the other side, but because we know with certainty that we are seen by our Heavenly Father. And so uh, we know um, that, that He is going to catch us. We don't know all the answers, but we know that we are known and we are loved. And so point number one as we move forward here um, is that we live by faith, not by sight. Secondly, point number two is, is that we are sacrificial, not selfish. We are sacrificial. Not selfish. I know this is going to step on some toes, um, and and honestly, I've I've watched people, uh, believers in the grocery stores, uh, act this way, and, and it's also uh, done some encouragement to me. But I've also had some conversations with people and seen some people that the, the selfishness and the and the desire to protect ourselves is there. Uh, but as believers, we are called to not be selfish and to be sacrificial. But here's the deal, right? If we're honest, we're all internally selfish, right? And if I were to tell you to touch your neighbor, uh, which we haven't done, so, you know, practice good hygiene. But if you're in your house there, you've probably been touching other people there at your house. So you can touch them and say, uh, I know you're selfish. Uh, I, I know I am, but but Christ has given me a new heart, a new nature. And so that old me, the old selfish me, is, is growing smaller and smaller, hopefully, day by day. Uh, but we're born selfish, right? Any of you who have kids, you never had to teach your kids. I never had to teach my kids. I never had to teach Lydia how to be selfish, right? I didn't have to have a class, Lydia, did I? I didn't have to have a class and say, Lydia, here's how to be selfish, all right? One day you're going to have some brothers and sisters, and they're going to try to take your chicken nuggets. And, and, and instead of you saying, oh, yeah, sure, have a chicken nugget, I want you to cover your plate and smack them and scream and go, these are my chicken nuggets! I'm guessing none of you had to teach your kids how to do that. Uh, when it comes to their toys, they're sitting there playing with some Legos and someone else comes to touch what they are building, and I know that doesn't happen in your house. It happens in my house. I never had to teach my kids how to yell at their siblings uh, when someone else touches their Legos. We're all inherently selfish, but again, as Christians, as believers, we are not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, and so we are to be living sacrificially, not selfishly. And so um, here's a clear reminder that the Apostle Paul said in Philippians, he says, don't be Selfish. Don't be selfish. I love the Bible just clear and basic, right? Don't try to impress others, but be humble, thinking of others as better or more important than yourselves. Imagine if you were to walk around your neighborhood, um, if you were to pray over uh, folks, um, the elderly, our government leaders, uh, pray over our school systems, and, and thinking of them more often than we think of ourselves. That's what it means to be sacrificial, and so that's an important reminder. As I think about the, the early church, uh, and we talked about this just a, a few weeks ago, uh, the early church was underneath great persecution, underneath great uh, difficulties. Um, there have been several diseases that have ravished our world uh, throughout the centuries, and I'm certainly no historian, but I shared a few of those last week. You can check those uh, on the podcast. But, man, the believers were always uh, doing the opposite of the rest of the world. The rest of the world was leaving the sick people and the Christians were running to the sick people. They were being sacrificial. Now, 
that, that doesn't mean they were being foolish, uh, but they were also saying, I know where I'm going, I know where my hope is, and, and I've got to share the goodness and the mercy of Jesus Christ with these people. And so uh, I'm not saying don't be uh, reasonable and take safety precautions. I'm doing that. I want to encourage you to do that as well. But there's lots of ways we can love our neighbors uh, in ways that are reasonable. Um, and so that's an important thing here. But, um, you know, the first century Christians weren't hoarding their goods. They weren't going to the Jerusalem mega mart, right, and, and, and you know, stockpiling. Um, I don't know what they used for toilet paper back in those days. Uh, you can chime in, I guess, if you know what they used um, online and, uh, and, and tell me what, what they used. Um, you know, uh, one lady I talked to my neighbor the other day. She was like, "Hey, I, I got napkins in my, uh, <laughs> I got napkins. I've been uh, piling up in my uh, glove box." And I was like, "That's not a bad idea." Um, but the first century Christians weren't weren't hoarding their stuff. They 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 weren't um, taking all that stuff and, and keeping it to themselves. In fact, they were doing just the opposite. Uh, I want to share share with you this verse from Acts chapter two. Says this, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. This is the first century church. This is how they're acting. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. Now, we can't be together physically uh, during this time, and that's okay, uh, but there are still ways we can uh, operate like this. And then it goes on to say this they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. That's radical, but that's the way believers act. They sell their possessions to help others. They don't hoard. And so we are to live sacrificial, not selfish. And I know that's a difficult thing. And maybe right now, it's a little bit easier for us, right, if I'm being honest. Um, because um, right now, the the, uh, the ban that our governor has put on us from schools and from a lot of workplaces for two weeks, um, you know, and, and yeah, you've been to the grocery stores and, and they've been running out of some things. Um, but uh, and I certainly, again, I don't know what could happen. This thing may blow over, and, and we may return to life as normal. Um, but, but right now, uh, it could also get worse. And so my challenge to you, church, my challenge to myself, God's challenge to all of us is, will you continue to live sacrificially even when things get harder than they currently are? Um, even when you're looking at your last roll of toilet paper, and um, you, know, you, you know, are we going to be those people who, who did what Jesus did? And had that that attitude. I'm not I'm not here to be served, but I'm here to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And so, believers, let's be like that. Let's be people who are who are giving to others, uh, to anyone who has a need, and even foregoing our own comfort for the sake of the gospel. I was reminded uh, as I thought about this uh, this season here uh, of uh, quarantine and social spacing and all that sort of stuff and. Uh, in fact, if you're part of our church, you know that we've been um, taking up a special offering for uh, uh, missionaries in North America. It's called the Annie Armstrong um, Missions Offering. We also do one for international missions, um, and uh, we do that around Christmas time, and that's that's called the Lottie Moon Offering. And uh, my family and I, we read um, a book. Actually, we read a biography of Lottie Moon, and, uh, and Lottie Moon actually gave her life for the people of China. Ironic um, that that you know we're China's all in our news right now, but Lottie Moon was was in China in, in the early 1900s, and um, and she gave her life as a as a young lady, and and in fact uh, the reports tell us that she starved to death during one of the famines because she gave up her food uh, to help the widows and the orphans and the poor of that, and um, and so as believers, that's the kind of sacrificial life uh, that we are to live, and so let's be like that church. Let's be sacrificial 
not be selfish. I want to turn to the next part of uh, the next verse here in Acts chapter 2. It says this, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Well, you know as well as I do, we, we can't meet um, regularly uh, because of the safety restrictions put in place, and, um, and that's okay. But here's, don't let this go by the wayside. Even though we can't meet as a church physically, that doesn't mean your faith doesn't happen. That doesn't mean you stop praying, you stop reading the Bible. Um, and in fact, if anything, if, if you're off from work, God may be giving you this time to abide in Him some more, to, to, to be with your family and have family worship and, and do some family devotions. Uh, so we don't have just a, a once a week faith. And if you're a Christian, uh, you're a person uh, who, who believes they have a once a week faith, um, no, not. we live for Christ every day. And so that's an important thing is that we don't stop worshiping even though the church can't gather. In fact, I believe God is going to uh, use this time to help us remember that the church is not a building. Uh, the church is the people. The church is the believers. And we get to be on mission 24-7 every day. You get to be the church right there in your neighborhood. You get to be the church in your home. Um, and obviously, you know, what does that look like for you to continue to encourage your neighbors or maybe even to meet with your community group? Um, I don't have all the answers on that. Our elders are praying uh, about how we can give some instruction to, to community groups if they desire to meet in the coming weeks. And, um, and so stay tuned online for that information about how we can meet well and in a way that doesn't continue to endanger people. Um, but, but well, man, with all my heart, um, I believe that God will use this time for good. We will see Jesus. We'll see the church move in some awesome ways. Um, and so as a family, as an individual, as a single person, um, bless your neighbor. Be sacrificial in, in how you encourage them. Um, pray for our leaders. Take some extra time. Again, if God has given us this time, don't just Netflix it all and, and, and Disney+. Plus. I know, uh, you know, I've got a list of some things I've been wanting to watch, had had time to watch, and, and we're going to do some of that, and that's okay. But don't use all your time like that. Use this as God gives an opportunity uh, to be salt and light, to give people that invite, and, um, and that's what we're doing. So, in review, right, we live by faith, not by sight. We are sacrificial, not selfish. And then, uh, finally, is that we shine the light, we do not hide it. Shine the light, we do not hide it. And uh, this was really kind of how we closed last week's sermon. Um, and this is really just this beautiful reminder uh, that when the world starts to get darker, that's when the church. The believers shine brighter. Um, uh, this verse from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 5, verses uh, 14 through 16, says this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So church, go continue to be the light. And, and don't hide your light. Don't be ashamed. And, and the rest of the verse uh, in Matthew, he says this, Nor do people put a light uh, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Um, again, I love this verse. Maybe you're familiar with it. and it's. But every time I read it, it's like, man, that would be so foolish, right? Take a lamp and uh, and put it underneath this cabinet here. Uh, these are the toys when my kids come to my office and play on the BS and see that. But, um, man, nobody does that. The lights in this room are up above. They're, they're, they're shining bright. And so don't hide your light, but shine your light during this time. And uh, it says, but on a stand, and it gives light to all of the house. And then he concludes in verse 16, says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds, your good works, and give glory 
to your Father who is in heaven. We are to be light bringers, right? People are afraid. People are unsettled. Again, some people are, are watching their portfolios and they're freaking out. And again, when you're a person who, who is walking by faith, not by sight, and, and you've got the peace of Jesus, people are going to say, why is that? And you get to point them to the light. Um, I want to encourage you to all go out and be dealers during this season. Be a dealer. What kind of dealer are you saying, Pastor? A toilet paper dealer? A Purell dealer? There we go. There's our Purell. Thank you, my lovely assistant. A Purell dealer? No. Not a Purell dealer. Not a toilet paper dealer. Although that may be, that may be part of the sacrificial deal. But most importantly, you need to be a hope dealer, a gospel dealer, a truth dealer. Give people the hope of Jesus. Spread love. Spread the life. Spread the gospel. Let your light shine. And, and I'm believing uh, the love and the hope of Jesus, I, and, and this may be corny, and maybe this is a, a preacher joke or a dad joke, but um, I, I saw this the other way, and, and some people were saying, man, this virus is spreading, but I'm hoping that, that the Christians of this world and of our church and of our community would rise up, and, and they would spread the love and the hope of the gospel faster than any virus would spread. Amen? Y'all can chime in with an amen. Uh, our elders were here earlier, and they said, you want us to sit over here and be like an amen quarter? And uh, I said, that would be a little awkward. Um, but anyhow, um, and so let's continue to, to spread the light, the love, the hope of Jesus uh, during this time. So I want to close giving you, um, uh, uh, this is going to be a lightning round of Bible verses. And if you're watching, you can pause it later and, and, and check these out and write it down. If you're on the podcast, you can see the verses. Uh, they'll be there. Um, but I'm going to give a, a lightning round of some verses of, of some things that God is telling us not to do. And usually when you say that, people think, okay, uh, God is always in the Bible telling us all these things not to do. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. And uh, yeah, there are some do not do things in the Bible, but they're often a lot different than you think. And so I'm going to move through these quickly, um, uh, but I want to share them with you because they just really encouraged me. Uh, this is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. This is the birth of Jesus. And look what the angel says. He says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. That's the first night. Do not be afraid. Why? Because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The first night is do not be afraid. Why? Because Jesus has come as the Messiah. In fact, the rest of the verse says it like this. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. What an encouragement there that, that man, good news is great joy that we have as believers. Uh, the next verse is Luke chapter 5, verses 31 through 32. It says this, Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Right? That's very true for some of us now, right? And um, and maybe you're even thinking, uh, yeah, I feel healthy, uh, but I might be carrying the virus. And, and again, I'm not a, uh, an expert on any of this sort of stuff, um, but that's a good reminder. To continue to wash your hands even if you don't feel sick. Continue to keep your social distancing. But this is a spiritual thing Jesus is talking about. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And who did Jesus come for? The rest of the verse says it like this. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repent. This is the message we have, church. This is the gospel that we preach every day. Is that God has come to call all the sinners welcome home. And every single one of us has sinned. Every one of us has broken God's commands. We've, we've lied. Uh, we have cheated. We have thought all kinds of awful things. Uh, we like to say, you know, we've, we've waved at people with one finger while you're driving, and um, 
you weren't telling them they were number one. You, you had a different agenda on your mind, and uh, so so have I. And um, and so we are to be encouraged that Jesus came not to call the righteous, but he came to call sinners. And and what does he call us to? To repent. That simply means to turn from our sins. Uh, the next verse I want to share with you uh, comes from Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. It says, Therefore, because of Christ's coming, because he has come to call sinners, it says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about what's going to happen all these coming weeks, uh, what's going to happen these coming months. God is already ahead of us. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble for its own. And then over in Luke 22, 42, um, maybe this is where we got to pray that sacrificial verse, right? Jesus said this as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. In other words, I don't necessarily like the suffering that I'm about to go through. But he says, yet not my will, but yours be done. Could that be your prayer this week? It'll be my prayer. Lord, not my will be done, but, but your will be done. And then uh, over in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Salvation that comes to people who have a relationship with Jesus Christ is, is a gift. And it is by grace. It is the gift of God. And it's not by works. That's what the rest of the verse says. Not by works. So that no one can boast. If you're watching this and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't get a relationship with Christ by just going to church or by trying to be a good person or trying to do all these good things. Uh, Give toilet paper to your neighbors. Help your neighbor out. Pick up medicine for the elderly. Uh, go grocery shopping for somebody else. That's that's all awesome. But those things won't get you into heaven. That's not what the gospel says. The gospel says, look, it's not by works, but as that verse, uh, the first part of that verse reminds us, it's by grace that you have been saved. Grace is a gift of God, and salvation comes to those who turn from their sins and receive the gift. And just as I said about a gift earlier, what do you have to do in order to receive that gift? It's, you just got to take it. It's yours. And so if you're here and you're watching and you don't know Christ, we invite you to follow him. He has called you to repent, to turn from your sins, and, and to trust him. And so that's a beautiful reminder. And then a couple more verses here I want to give to you. Romans, I love this one, just as a reminder. Romans 3.28 says, For we maintain that a person is justified or accounted as, as right in God's sight, by faith apart from works in the law. That's what the gospel is all about. We're, we're justified. We're made right in God's sight all because of what Jesus has done by faith, by placing our faith and trust in him. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, we actually just went through a series on both 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, says this, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. And God doesn't intend for any human being to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God desires to save everybody and he's calling you and he's calling us to remind others of these verses uh, and then this I love this I need this one set your minds on things above not on earthly things can I be real and my wife was lovingly encouraging me you know she's like get off your phone and uh, you're watching too much of this stuff and it's affecting you and um, man the social media the news uh, yesterday we had sort of a news free day and I tell you what man my soul was just so encouraged we did some yard work we did some stuff with the family and um, took Lydia driving and uh, she's working on her permit she's doing dance I wish I had a camera that I could show you her behind the scenes business here and, um, we'll, we'll have to release some bloopers of this but this is live so there's really not a whole lot of 
bloopers, uh, but I should have kept the phone with me. Uh, but anyhow, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And then, uh, as we wrap a couple of other scriptures up here, it says this, do not be overcome by evil, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. But we, this is Hebrews 10, 39, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. This is how we operate as believers. We do not belong to those who shrink back. So church continue to move forward, being the light, living by faith, sacrificing. And then uh, Hebrews 13, 6 says this. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper, and I will not be afraid. Isn't that so encouraging? Why, why am I not afraid? Because you get to tell people because the Lord is my helper. And then, as a reminder, Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And so, church, let's continue to be unashamed of the gospel during this time. And, uh, and that will be uh, how we continue to make a difference and make disciples. And then, I want to close with this, this last verse. Um, it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9, it says this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. What's this treasure in jars of clay, right? That's kind of a weird saying. The, the jars of clay is this right here. This is my body. You, you know your body. It, it might feel like a jar of clay to you sometimes, too. Um, but he says there's this treasure in our jars of clay. What is that treasure? It's Christ inside of us, shining through us. And so, and, and we get to tell people, hey, there's this power inside of me. There's this treasure inside of me. It's not me. Trust me. Um, but this is from God. It's not from us. And then watch how he continues to talk about this verse. And, and maybe you're experiencing something like this. It says this, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. And um, and it's okay if, if you're struggling during this time. And honestly, um, you know, some people in our church family, many people in our community are honestly uh, without work and, uh, and and nervous about this. Or some people are already in the hospital and struggling. And um, and, and and so by saying we're going to walk by faith and we're going to be sacrificial and we're going to shine the light, uh, I'm not at all saying that we just pretend like everything is okay. Listen, the believers here were pressed on every side, but they weren't crushed, right? And, and that's how we are. We might be pressed. And in fact, the, the future, we don't know what it holds. We might be pressed even more. We might be perplexed, meaning, God, I don't understand what's going on. God, I, I thought you were for me, and now my, my job is, is laid me off because of the economic uh, things that are going on because of this virus. And so you might be perplexed, but you're not in despair. Why? Because the hope of Christ lives in you. And then he says this, we might be persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We might be struck down, but we are not destroyed. Oh, church, man, may that continue to be our song. May that continue to be a verse that just really encourages the daylights out of us. Why? Because we live by faith, not by fear. We are sacrificial, not selfish, and we shine the light. We don't hide it. That's why we are not afraid. So, um, Maybe perhaps the shortest sermon ever. Maybe this is a long sermon for a Facebook Live. I don't know. You have to check it out and compare it with other churches. And uh, pray you have a great week as you continue to uh, shine the light. Uh, if there's a way we can serve you, feel free to contact us online. Uh, call the church office. Call your group leader or your deacon or your elder. And, um, and continue, church, to be uh, 